Hello and welcome to BJGP Interviews. My name is Ewan Lawson and I'm the editor of the BJGP. In this episode, we talk to Mr. Ashu Gandhi, who is a consultant surgeon from Withenshaw Hospital in Manchester and an honorary senior lecturer at the Manchester Breast Centre at the University of Manchester. And the paper is No Association Between Breast Pain and Breast Cancer, a prospective cohort study of 10,830 symptomatic women presenting to a breast cancer diagnostic clinic. Now, we know that women with breast pain are understandably often anxious that this may represent an underlying breast malignancy. And I started by asking Ashu to tell us a little bit more about what we already know about breast pain and breast cancer and what the evidence has shown before this study was done. So the reason we did this study was to examine that exact question. What is the relationship between breast pain and breast cancer? Because we know that we see an awful lot of patients, a lot of women in our breast clinics with breast pain. So we recognise it to be a real problem out there. In fact, around one in five of all women presenting to the breast clinic suffer with breast pain, 20%. It's quite a large number. Imagine that nationally, how many tens and tens of thousands of women are referred to breast clinics. So we went to the literature to have a look what's going on. And unfortunately, the data published so far is really poor. Poor definitions, poor study designs, retrospective designs. It didn't really give us the answer that we felt satisfied with. So we constructed our own study. Uh, This is a prospective study. And we wanted to examine uh, in the contemporary breast clinic of today, what's the relationship between breast cancer and breast pain? Uh, And what we did find was that there is no relationship between breast cancer and breast pain. We found that of all the women who present with breast pain, the incidence of breast cancer is 0.4%. That's four out of every 1,000 women who have breast pain will have breast cancer. Is that a lot? Well, if you look at the breast screening data, these are asymptomatic women, breast cancer incidence in that group is 0.8%. So breast cancer incidence in breast pain equals the same in asymptomatic women. There's no relationship between the two. Uh, fascinating data. And as you say, that's a very important reference point there, though, actually the, um, the asymptomatic women to compare it to. So talk, talk us a little bit, through the numbers just a wee bit more, Ashu, in terms of, I know that there was over, there was nearly 11,000 women in this study that you looked at. Give us a few more of the, give us a few more of the, the details, add some, add, flesh that out a wee bit for us. Happy to do so, sure. So uh, we're very lucky, we've got an electronic patient record in the breast clinic, so we could collect data prospectively. So we collected data over 12 months, we got uh, nearly 11,000 women, as you say, and we divided them into four groups. And this division is quite important going forward uh, in terms of future management and policy. So we had a breast pain group, and this means that the women had breast pain only. No other symptoms, and it's really important to note that. So if you had breast pain plus a lump, you went into the breast lump group. If you had breast pain plus nipple symptoms, such as discharge or distortion, you went into the breast nipple group. If you had some other symptoms like trouble with my breast implant or infection, you went into the group called other. So when we talk about breast pain, we talk about women with only breast pain. And we had 1,972 patients uh, who had only breast pain. Uh, And they uh, were seen in clinic. They went through the usual triple diagnostic process. They had mammography where indicated according to national guidelines. Clinical examination was performed in all of them. uh, And we found a very low pickup rate of breast cancer. In fact, 
um, if you had a normal examination, uh, your chance of having normal mammography was 99%. So we found that clinical examination uh, was a very good discriminator uh, as to whether a woman would have a normal mammogram or not. The 1% who did have abnormal mammograms, there were 77 women, only eight of those turned out to have cancer. So even of the ones who had normal, sorry, abnormal mammography, over 90% turned out to have, you know, false positives. And false positives is a big thing, as, as you know, from breast screening. Um, we put women through a lot of anxiety with biopsies, extra mammography views, only to find out there's nothing going on. So it's important to note the harm that we do, as well as the benefit that we do in the breast clinic. Yeah, I think many people will be very glad to hear you acknowledge that, because I think it's certainly an under it's underappreciated, certainly amongst the public, if not health care professionals. And it's very hard to get away from sometimes from that over-investigating. A, a number of really important clinical points there that we should just, um, which you've already highlighted, but we should emphasize that the, 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 your findings here, absolutely, whether it was cyclical or non-cyclical breast pain, it was absolutely breast pain only, no other symptoms. So that's really important to, to emphasize for a start, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. If you have any other symptoms, uh, you fall into a different diagnostic category and cancer pickup rate is really quite different. Yeah. Um, another really important, valuable point there is if those who did have breast pain, then have a, the ones who did investigate, you had a clinical examination was normal, then as you say, uh, that, uh, incredibly strong predictor that they would have a normal mammogram as well. So what we found was that the examination was normal in 100% of women below 40 and in 99% of women uh, between 40 and 73 and then above 73, there's a slightly higher pickup rate of abnormal findings, as you would expect. Um, breast cancer in general is a disease of aging yeah. as is many other many cancers in general well, yeah. it's a fascinating point because that's often not appreciated by the general public i think the the, the rather emotive the, the understandably emotive images of younger women with particularly with say with young families or very young women uh, in their 20s and 30s getting breast cancer but like any cancer it's as you say it's a, it's a disease of aging isn't it and it's um it's going to be more common in the older age groups it is. It is, of course. And of course, as you say, young women do get breast cancer. And if you have a lump as a young woman, please do get yourself referred. We want to see you. We want to investigate. If you don't have a lump, if you have breast pain, then there's a different conversation to be had. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. We certainly, there's no indication there for not doing something about it if you do get symptoms. I was really pleased to see that you, the way that you phrase this in the paper was really important as well about the um, the harms of sort of, of testing and i suppose we've got to be a bit careful about calling it it's not screening because they weren't asymptomatic these women they had symptoms um but you know as you mentioned there and as you put it in the paper 77 women suffered the prolonged anxiety of awaiting further investigations and there is that old potential problems with incidentalomas so that whole doing mammograms in those women in the particular those other women's with breast pain or particularly um clearly there's, there's a problem with it and I, I think you had been mentioning to me as well that there was it wasn't entirely clear either. Those women who did turn out to have breast cancer with breast pain, there was there was some there was um, there was a clinical wrinkle there as well. There certainly was. So, of the eight women in the breast pain group who had breast cancer, four had it on the other side to where the breast pain was. Just to highlight that breast pain and breast cancer are purely coincidental and not related in any way. 
Yeah. One of the things you did in this paper as well was you did do an economic analysis and we should mention it. But um, I suspect it's probably relatively clear cut, given the complete lack of clinical in clinical findings, as it were, in terms of breast cancer. But perhaps you could just get, tell us a little bit about that quickly. Yeah, happy to do that. And I have to thank my colleague, Liz Camacho, who did all the economic study on this. So um, Liz did some quite sophisticated detail analysis. And basically, um, it, if you um, analyse patients to have the worst case scenario, which is they weren't referred to the breast clinic and they had cancer and they died within two years and compare that with the best case scenario which is they didn't have cancer they weren't referred to clinic and then you take all the combinations in between and then you can do some um, analysis of that with the costs that provided by the NHS there's a lot of detailed costs provided and then you um, attach the qualities to that and you have a, a cost effectiveness ratio and basically the long and short of it is it costs a, a lot of money and a lot of time to refer women with breast pain to the breast clinic. Now, I just want to stop there and say, I'm not advocating that these women don't need care. They absolutely do. Um, they need advice and they need care. Women with breast pain need looking after. What we're saying is, in this paper, that they don't necessarily need to come to the breast cancer clinic. They need an alternative form of care and advice. And of course, they need help. Of course they do. And there's an issue here for a concern here for both primary care and secondary care, isn't there? Because obviously we need primary care GPs. It's incredibly important for us to know that breast pain is not going to be associated with breast cancer. And certainly that's looks that's very strongly indicated in your study. Um, so that's a really important point. But absolutely, as you mentioned there, we need to have somewhere to but we need to be able to know what to do with those people as well. And and, and and reassuring women in those circumstances as well is it's going to take a little while, isn't it? I think perhaps for them to get that message filtering through. And if we've got other pathways, that certainly makes it easier. So uh, there is some research in uh, the mid uh, in the Midlands, um, led by Professor John Robertson, who's uh, created a kind of halfway house between primary and secondary care. Uh, and that's proved to be really successful. I know there's a, a publication coming out from them. In Manchester, we've uh, created a separate pathway using telephone uh, consultations with, with women with breast pain. And that's being adapted across Greater Manchester uh, and obviously will be audited prospectively. So alternative pathways do need looking at. Um, they need auditing and research to prove the work and the safe. Um, but I, th I would hope that this paper shows that seeing these patients in a cancer diagnostic clinic isn't the best use of resources because every patient uh, who comes to clinic means that there's another patient who can't, of course, because it's a finite resource. It's a finite resource. And I want to point out as well that your paper is quite clear as well that this is not about just bashing GPs for sending women with breast pain to breast clinics. We didn't know before this study um, was shown. And also you do very, you're very careful to mention in the study that it's important as well that when they do get there, your secondary care colleagues don't investigate them as they have been doing. Well, that's uh, as we show. And, uh, we, uh, you know, Mayor Culper, we do that as much as anyone else. Uh, we ourselves have shown how many mammograms we perform and actually, is it of any use to the women that we're causing a bit of discomfort to? Yeah. So uh, I think we need to learn from this. Secondary care needs to learn from this. Uh, primary care hopefully will get some confidence uh, and hopefully patients too. You know, they, if a lot of women come to the clinic um, worried because they've been referred to clinic and unhelpfully we put on the front door breast cancer clinic. So 
if we can sort of lay that anxiety for the patients, that would be that'd be great. Yeah, all very important points. But what else? Any other thoughts that we um, actually in terms of where we should be going, direction of travel for this further research or areas to explore? So yeah, I mean. I'd like to uh, expand on those two alternative pathways, make sure they work from uh, the mid-knots and from us. Um, I'd like to try and take this to policymakers and see if we can change this pathway, this two-week-for-all pathway. If that was possible, that'd be excellent. Our economic analysis has looked at uh, the whole cost-effectiveness from a secondary care point of view. It'd be helpful to look at it from a primary care point of view as well. And is it more cost effective? Now, there's some research in cardiovascular health to show that actually primary care assessment uh, of similar cases is very valuable. Is it of use in, in breast pain? That would be worth a look. OK, well, some wonderful work you've already done and obviously some big plans ahead as well, Ashley. Thank you very much for taking the time today. It's a pleasure. Thank you very much for listening to this BJGP podcast. The original research papers and articles can be found at bjgp.org. The show notes and podcast audio can be found at bjgplife.com. Do share if you've enjoyed it. Subscribe via all the usual places, including Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, or your podcaster of choice. Thanks again. Thanks again.